0: I'm Evan Smith of the Texas Tribune, and this is Point of Order, a podcast about the ins and outs, the ups and downs, the people and politics and traditions of the 86th Texas Legislature. This week, gender, politics and public policy. It's called representative government, right? Well, at least in theory. When it comes to the number of women in the population of Texas versus the number who serve in positions of power, the government of our state does not remotely represent those being governed. Just over 50% of Texans and a slightly higher percentage of Texas voters are female, yet only one woman occupies a statewide non-judicial elective office. A total of 169 women have served in the House and Senate over 86 sessions dating back to 1846, 12 fewer than the 181 seats in one legislature. The current ledge has just 43 women serving, 31 Democrats and 12 Republicans, and only 10 chair committees. This disparity is not limited to the ironically nicknamed Pink Dome. There are only six women out of 38 in the state's delegation of Congress, and only one of the 10 largest cities in Texas has a female mayor. But it's not about the numbers, or it's not solely about them. It's about the ways in which women, all women, not just those who've run and won, feel their voices and views impact bills introduced, budgets written, and laws enacted. Let's stipulate that this issue, the nexus of Texas and the sexes, is not new and that progress is being made incrementally. But there's a hell of a lot more work to be done, as this week's guests are about to make clear. State Representative Sarah Davis, Republican of West University Place, State Representative Mary Gonzalez, Democrat of El Paso, and State Representative Tony Rose, Democrat of Dallas, are three of only five women out of 27 members of the Appropriations Committee, which writes the biennial state budget. Representative Davis chairs the Article II subcommittee of appropriations responsible for health and human services spending. Representative Gonzalez is one of only two women on the Public Education Committee, home to the critical work on this session's number one agenda item, school finance. Representative Rose is the only, the only woman on the Calendars Committee, which controls the flow of legislation in the House. Representative Davis was first elected in 2010, Representative Gonzalez and Rose won their seats two years after that, so they've all been around long enough to know a few things. How to wield power, or what happens when you're on the wrong end of someone else wielding it. How politics occasionally or often trumps policy. How the world, inside and outside the Capitol, is changing, or isn't. I sat down with Representatives Davis, Gonzalez, and Rose on the afternoon of March 20th, day 72 of the 140. Point of Order is supported by the Texas Hospital Association. Texas hospitals are at the forefront of improving maternal health, leading efforts to improve patient outcomes. See their priorities for a healthier Texas at THA.org slash maternal health. And by Walmart. In 2018, Walmart led the fight against hunger by contributing the equivalent of 56.9 million meals in food donations in Texas. Learn more about the company's contributions to communities at corporate.walmart.com. And the University of Texas Press. Presenting Recent Studies Indicate the Best of Sarah Byrd. In her first nonfiction collection, the beloved award-winning writer showcases four decades of wise yet riotously entertaining essays and articles on womanhood, Texas, motherhood, and her weird, wondrous journey as a writer. Find this and other great reads at utpress.utexas.edu. So, um, how are you all enjoying the year of the woman? You only get one year, you know that. Then it goes back to being the year of the men. Representative Rose, do you like that? The year of the woman. I love it. Yeah. No, no one wants to laugh at my hilarious joke about well, the year I of the mean,
1: woman. I just, I just have to say, I, i I'm point out the obvious here that you've got three female legislators, and you've asked us to come and talk about gender and policy and you are a white male like where's emily ramshaw
0: can't do much about that she's in denver and plus this is my damn podcast
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, fair enough
0: but but uh, but i do want to ask in all sincerity why it's taken so long for us to talk about women as critical to politics or policy in the sense that there's a like a frame you get a year it's the year of the woman
2: well, I I've been, been talking about it for a long time. Right. So I mean I don't know why it's taking anybody else so long, but I think those of us who've been women in politics have been talking about it for a while. But we get a year because I feel now we're getting the recognition of our experiences here. I mean Chairwoman Davis has been in the legislature how long now? It's my fifth term. She, fifth
0: she's term? only two years past you all, but right? Well, she got she got elected in 2010. You all got elected in 2012, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So she's a little two bit years, uh, more veteran than you all. But you all understand, I mean, the fact is, uh, uh, Representative Davis, in theory, every year ought to be the year of the woman. Yeah. We shouldn't need. I, I'm only well, slightly I, pandering. Let or let Representative me just Rose. Say, yes. I think it
3: is. I mean, it's always been the year of the woman. I just think now women are. Well, we've always been tired of sitting on the sidelines, but we just see more opportunities for us to lead. And so, I think that's why now more women are getting involved, and people are listening to women. And you know, I tell people all the time, when women run, we want to we ch- we run to change things. Men want for, run for power, and so. Women recognize that there are a lot of things that need to be changed, and so that's why women are stepping up more than they have in the past.
0: Although Representative Davis, power is not a bad thing to have, right? No,
3: not at all. Sometimes
0: you change things because you have power.
3: That's right. Right. But I think it's interesting
1: that you're embracing the concept that that we are in the year of the woman. And I don't want to be partisan. I'm not trying to be partisan, but um, I'm only one of six Republican women left in the House. And when I first started, I was one of eight. Like eighteen.
0: Well, in fact, I think with the statistic that we published, Representative Davis a couple of weeks ago said that not very long ago there were nineteen Republican women in the House. That number and the House and Senate combined, and that number has now dropped significantly. I think twelve Republicans in total, women, House and Senate. Right. So there may be the
1: year of the Democrat woman.
3: Well, yeah, Texas is changing,
1: but uh,
0: and
3: now elections are going to reflect what Texas really, what the state really looks like.
0: Well, you're, you're kind of getting ahead of me. I'm going to want to ask you in a second about the numbers because the numbers have changed. And I do think, I mean, before we understand the numbers and the meaning of the numbers as it relates to the stuff that you all spend time in Austin, every odd numbered you're doing, I want to ask you what the problem is. If there are not enough women in this or there have not been enough women historically at the Capitol or in politics, is the problem the voters? Is the problem... Not enough candidates is the problem. The wrong candidates is the problem. Representative Gonzalez, the system? Is it some combination of those things?
2: It's always going to be a combination of those things. It's about um, having the funds to run a campaign. It's about having the ability to come to Austin and live here um, during session. It's about all of the things that make representation inequitable. And so uh, I, I'm glad that we have more Democratic women. I, I do think it's important to highlight because I think balance is very important. You need to have Republican women and Democratic women. You need to have equal balance of Republicans and Democrats and when that imbalance exists then it has domino effects and I think we see those domino effects in the legislature right now. you think it's
0: harder for women Representative Gonzalez to serve in a legislature like this one under these circumstances than it is for men? Harder for men to uh, harder for women to run harder for women to give the time up and serve.
2: I don't think the legislature is immune from the realities of institutionalized sexism.
0: Representative Davis do you agree with that?
1: Well, <laughs> that is a bold statement. Um, I, I think that I think a lot of times women feel like they have to be asked to run for office. Absolutely. So when I was first when I decided to run for office in two thousand and ten, and I started going to different clubs and organizations, you know, to announce like I'm Sarah Davis and I'm running for state representative, the question I got over and over is who recruited you? Who recruited you? And it was honestly, men were just completely seemed flabbergasted when I said, So it was kind like, of like, what are you doing here? Why? why are you, who right. are you to do this? No right. one selected you. And I don't think that men get asked that question. And I don't think men even contemplate whether or not they're going to be recruited. Like, there's a sense of entitlement that I think that men have, not only in politics, but in general, um, that women, I, I don't think we have that same sense of entitlement that we feel like we are actually, we almost have to work twice as hard to get to the same place. Um, that we have to prove ourselves where, as men, I don't, I just don't feel that, and and, there, and that may be different based on race, too, but there's just a sense of entitlement that um, I don't think we as women generally And you can't
2: can't see me shaking my head. I'm shaking my head. I agree with that. And there's actually research that talks about women having to work twice as hard there. I was I'm getting a PhD. So I was doing some studying this weekend. And I found a study that talked about how women um, in political positions have to work twice as hard to get their bills through um, the committee process and just and so I think there are these little pockets of things that are invisible to to the Outside person about what it means to be a woman in the legislature. Representative
0: Rose, did you have to be asked to run? Did you decide on your own? But were like Representative Davis says, uh, d- it was doubted that you know, you, are you really the right person for this? Why are you doing this? Did you get that same level of skepticism?
3: Well, I was actually recruited, but I don't think. The, but my response from the community was totally different because I had a 20-year track record of working in the in the districts. So I'm not not to say that Representative Davis did not. But because I was already involved in the community and had already shown a commitment to the community that I was for them, the response was totally different. Because a lot of times, even when I was just doing things in the community, people would say, when are you running for office? And I had no desire to run for office. And in fact, when I was first recruited, I was like, no. Absolutely not. But then, when I thought of the things that I could do to better impact, make a greater impact in my community, that I could do as a legislator, I decided to go but ahead. But
0: ge- the general point of, of Representative Davis is, I think, is is right. Men maybe feel entitled in a situation. Oh, absolutely! Like that,
3: right? now, I totally agree with Representative Davis. Men yeah. do. I mean, it's obvious. Do, do you have a hard <laughs> time? You all and are sometimes. I just want to make
1: yeah. sure it wasn't like everyone in my community was like, "Who are you?" I no, I'm doing it. One, but I'm not. I, the I initial, know that. The I'm the initial they, reaction <laughs> from. But I know you're talking about party. the people who, yeah, in
3: the party. Ex- yeah, uh, you you
0: all have been involved on behalf of your parties and your communities, and also encouraging or recruiting other people to run, have you not? So my my question is, do you find that it is harder to persuade sometimes women? to run. I mean, I'm, I'm sensitive to what Representative Gonzalez said, that women have to work harder sometimes when they get into office. We, we just put a video up, part of the series of documentary, little mini docs that we're doing on the legislature, that had Representative Zweiner, who is a New Democratic member, with her baby running around at her feet at the legislature, crawling around. And I, I'm, I, I'm conscious of the fact that if you're a woman who is considering running for office and you have small children or you have a family, that that may in fact be a perfectly reasonable obstacle to your deciding to run. No one ever expects a man with small children to decide not to run.
3: That is definitely right. Right? Exactly. So
0: sometimes it's hard to persuade women depending upon the circumstances they are in their family situations or personal lives to
1: and politics is, is so, it's a, it's personally destructive. I mean, these campaigns are nastier and nastier. I mean, just the, the negativity. And if you I don't have children, but if you are a mother, you have to think about like, well, what is my, what is my daughter or my son going to think when they see what they, what they're saying about me on the internet? A or mailer. On Twitter. Or, yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, cause oftentimes I just, as a legislator, I think as a, person in politics have developed thicker skin than when i first started right but i have to remember i have family that has to go to the grocery store too and you know my mom is going to be questioned at the dry cleaners about why did your daughter vote for this or vote against well sometimes
0: it's not mean old twitter attacking you sometimes it's the governor
1: well in my case yes Yes. that's true representative
0: rose uh, i know representative gonzalez does not have children Representative Davis does not. You have children, Representative Rose. No, I do so not. none of you is in the position of saying how kids might be impacting.
3: Right. Officers. I was just going to say we're we're a, an example of that. I mean, we do not have children. I think our decision to run probably would have been. I think we would have probably, you know. Second thought it, uh, you know, or in my case, maybe thought thirdly about the fact of running because of my family, you know, because I knew it was only me that I had to account for. But if I had children and if I was married and all those things, I, it probably would have been a totally different situation for me.
2: Well, and I say, because I got elected so young, I was 27, 28 when I started my political career. Now I'm 35. I do feel that... She's had so my,
0: old. I'm yeah, so seriously, old. Seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time being <laughs> empathetic here.
2: No, but but I, I think if I would have known... When I was younger, like when I was entering this world, it would be hard to find a partner that maybe I was going to give up having children. like now i'm now I'm going to be thirty six, going to be forty soon. Now the reality hits me that I may never have children and I can really say if I look at my friends who were in my social circle before and they're all married and having children. I don't know if that was what I wanted, but it came a little bit off the table the minute I went in. You think political. being
0: in the legislature was an obstacle to that potentially? Oh yeah, you yeah, but dating the, but in the, the legislature. Pay, but the pay is so good <laughs> though. Isn't the, the high pay worth it? Doesn't it mean... I'm making, I'm I don't think the, any I'm, of us are right. here for the 7200 dollars. The the, the 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 that fundamental premise of this whole conversation is that having more women in office has an impact on the outcome of what happens up the street. We all agree on that of course. There's not a a, a difference. But it also has an impact if women are in leadership, not just in members. Representative Gonzalez and I have been talking over the last couple of days about the fact that it is not only the number of women in the legislature, but if you think about leadership in this building, I think there are only 10 committees chaired by women across the House and the Senate out of some massive number. I think there are only 43 women uh, somewhere in the mid-40s, if I'm remembering correctly, in the entire legislature right now. We only
1: have one woman on the calendars. Committee. Well, and this is my That's point. There are, there are
0: three of five women on the 27-member appropriations committee. Um Representative Gonzalez I believe is only one of two members of the Education Committee who are women is that right Representative Rose is one of only is the only woman on the Calendars Committee which the sets the entire flow of in, in, indeed <laughs> I'm um, the
1: only woman on article, article, article two. Article two.
0: So, so what is what is the the impact of having fewer women in positions of leadership or in these powerful things relative to just women in the membership in the in the main?
2: Well, I will say, and today, Sarah, um, Representative Davis and I were laying out bills in State Affairs, also another powerful committee, and only one woman. I took my intern with me for the day, and she was like. We we're talking about breastfeeding. If that was my bill, and there was a panel of all men and one woman, and my intern was like shocked. She's like, "How does this happen?" I go, "Well, a, the pool was really small, but b, it does take, um, it does impact when there aren't women." At the table. And right. so. Uh, well, of
0: course, if there aren't that many women in the legislature, there can't be that many women on the committees. And uh, one of the things we talked about during this. Math first, is math. First so. open speakers race in 25 years. Well, it would be interesting if Texas finally had a woman speaker. But in order for there to be a woman speaker, there had to be women to run. Well, I mean, that, there a woman could have
2: run for speaker.
0: Right. Well, yes, but the point is that the pool is a small pool to draw from, right? right. Uh, from a statistically, there were just not that many uh, women in a position. Right, because
3: currently we have yeah. 33 women, yeah, 27 Dems and six. I think 17. now with
0: Representative Morales coming in from Houston, I think it's, oh, now, right. I think it's right. now 34 right. Democratic women and uh, and six. Um, <laughs> is there a difference, Representative Davis, do you think, between Republican women and Democratic women? Is there a party divide that trumps the gender divide,
1: um, not in terms of our relationships with each other. No,
0: but in terms of the issue set, I mean, obviously you disagree yeah, on some I mean, things, right? There's
1: right. there's going to be issues that I have divisions within my own party, in in fact, right? But that doesn't that doesn't affect our relationships and our abilities to work with each other. We also know our districts are all very different, right? Um, and our constituents are different, and we understand the votes that we have to make that are in the best interests of our communities, but we also are, I think, pretty protective and loyal to each other um, and want each other to be successful, want, you know, you to get the bills that you need to take home to get reelected so that you can come back. I mean, we're, I think we're... You have each other's backs. I, I, yes, and yes. and no one's going to, no none of the women, are, I don't think, are, are ever going to just turn on each other because we have to make a a partisan vote.
2: Um. Well, and I feel like what I really appreciate is the ways in which we communicate, right? Like, I feel I can go to any of the women here and say, I have a problem, can you help me navigate it? And I I do feel just the openness of communication, the trust, um, the solidarity is just really nice. I do think that, that we look out for each other. I, I, we know all vote the same, but not even all Democrats vote the same or all Republicans. Right. It's, it's allyship represented. Right, right, because yeah. we're our
3: own little club, and that's why every session uh, we get together and have dinner and hang out and, you know, just to get to know each other better, especially this legislative session. We had a large number of women, (laughs) had a large group of women that come in. And so uh, I think at the end of the day, we're going to have each other's back regardless because we were women before we were Republicans and Democrats.
0: I I was conscious, Representative Davis, of of, uh, Speaker Bonin's speech a couple of weeks ago, which I consider to have been the most interesting political speech of the entire year to the young conservatives of Texas. This is what he said in part. The clearest, he was talking about the elections of 2018, the clearest indication of the November election, and this is horrifying, intelligent women said we're not interested in voting for Republicans. We can show hundreds of thousands of women, Republican women, who voted for Democratic candidates in the last election. We've got to be cognizant of that. We've got to be respectful of that fact. We've got to think about the way we're crafting our message, what issues we're pushing, what issues we're not pushing. More importantly, when we push an issue, do we talk about it in the most respectful and appropriate way? So when I was asking about the differences between Republican women and Democratic women, the speaker is identifying, at least in terms of the issue set that you all deal with up the street, ways in which Republican women may actually not be acting like traditional Republicans, at least at the moment, and the party's agenda or message may have something to do with
1: that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anyone – I don't think you could say that the Republican Party doesn't have a woman problem. I mean, the reason why we lost – You think it does nationally? It does uh, – Yes. You
0: think it does in Texas?
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, just look at the election results. I mean, we lost, the Republicans lost 12 seats. And that's mostly because, yes, Beto, of course, was charismatic and got, you know, a lot of people excited. But you saw suburban women peel away from the Republicans. And you can go out and talk about recruiting more women for the sake of having more women, but just because you elect more women, and then you want to shove down a far-right social agenda, or you know, make uh, legislators feel like they have to support these things, we're not we're not going to be in office long. I mean, you see, I know Republican women that you know retired because they just were kind of sick of it.
0: Are, are you are you the majority view? You think at this point in your party, among Republican women you serve with, or that you know in or who you know in your community?
1: Yes. Now, What I, you just articulated. Yes, yeah. I think so. But I, now that doesn't mean I am the majority opinion in the House amongst my colleagues. Right. I mean, you're the one that always says, you know, elections have consequences. And I mean, they absolutely do. I mean, two years ago, we are talking about bathrooms and abortion. And now we're talking about public education finance. We're not talking about vouchers. I mean, we're talking about things that actually affect people's right. lives, whereas last session... It was just madness in some ways.
0: Representative Rose, is there a a version of this conversation in the Democratic Party where possibly women in the Democratic Party look at the party's message or the party's agenda or the party's platform and think, I'm not entirely sure that this has been crafted with us in mind?
3: Oh, the Democratic agenda?
0: Or is there more alignment of the party's message and and, and, and the people serving?
3: Right. Because we, you know, we... um, are on the same page in the Democrat. Well, I'm not going to say everybody's on the same page because we do have our issues in the Democratic Party. I'm not going to sit here and act like we don't. But uh, majority of the time, all of the issues do align where where women can gather, rally around that platform for the Democratic Party.
0: Right, Representative Gonzalez, is that the case? And let me add the additional element of race. Is there a difference in the way these issues resolve along racial lines as the demographic change of the state happens? Is that the case?
2: I just think that we are being inclusive of. Um, do do I think that we have? Okay, let me go back. Yeah. The the Democratic platform issues have. I think being cognizant of race and gender. I don't, I will say, I don't think we have been as intentional or as strategic in it, actually practicing the inclusivity or bringing women in as much as we should and or could. And when it comes to the intersections of wh- whether it's race and gender and sexuality or any of those, I don't think that we have always been great at bringing the people in. I think we've been good at talking about some of the issues, but. Um, but now I think that the grassroots movements that are emerging are doing that for the party.
0: So, so change is coming from the outside rather than from the inside.
2: I think so. Yes, yes. Well, I think that's. I think that can be said for both parties. I think a lot of the shifts did not originate from the inside, but originated from the outside. And it goes back to full circle. Elections matter.
0: You mentioned abortion, Representative Davis, as an issue that has come up in recent sessions and has been obviously, as it often is. An issue that separates some people, different positions on that. When people talk about women's issues in the legislature, often their mind immediately goes to those kinds of issues, social issues sometimes. But the reality is, isn't every issue that you take up in some respects a woman's issue? Yes, of course. It it education's a woman's issue, right. economic development's a woman's economic issue. Economic development. Transportation's a woman's issue. Yes. They're right.
1: all they're all women's issues. Right. But I think my particular party likes to frame women's issues in terms of focusing on abortion, on access to birth control uh, and, and that that's I think that just comes from the the party structure
0: and is that because the leadership of the party is more male than female and are perhaps perceiving it differently than women would if they were running the party
1: Well, the leadership of the party is definitely male um But I'm not really in a position to right. I I'm I'm not I'm not part of the party structure. <laughs> believe it or not. Believe it not not. I vote for
0: not. Representative Gonzalez, uh, to what degree are these issues framed as women's issues when the reality is every issue is a woman's issue? I mean, I'm, I'm really curious about how you look that at that. Well, I
2: contraception is also a male issue, right? right. Like, I mean, that is a, we don't
0: talk about male issues or men's issues in the legislature. Well, we only seem to talk about women's or
2: issues. Or to right? to paint that you know, pregnancy and or abortion and or contraception is only a woman's conversation, I think is a is a disservice to the to the actual reality of the conversation. Right? It is people's issues. making babies, having babies, those are people's issues, right? But here, um, I am not going to speak, you know, the only, I mean, my dad's a Republican, so he helps me understand Republicans a little bit more, but I I don't, I don't think. (laughs) What do you want to know? (laughs) No, so, but, but I don't know. I go to the secret meeting. You go to the secret meeting. So all I'm saying is I'm not sure if having more women at the top of any party changes the conversation sometimes. I think, again, it has to be a cultural Because there are women who are pro or anti-choice, right? And so I I do think that it is a cultural dynamic as well as a gender dynamic.
0: But, you know, Representative Rose, I'm conscious of the fact that some women who've served, again, Republican members have served previously. I'm thinking of Representative Harless, particularly who said when it came time to choose between my heart and my party, I thought it was time to get out of the legislature. You know, these are complicated issues for some people, and they're, it it's not, doesn't really break down naturally along party lines, right?
3: Well, absolutely. Yeah. And I and I recall when I, I – and I can tell you the night that I saw on her face that she felt that, that you know, it, she wanted to choose her heart over her party. What was
0: the issue or what was the moment?
3: Well – I remember that night, yeah. but I, I don't
2: remember. I, I just remember everyone was just exhausted. Yeah, it was the
3: one. It was, it was, it was and De- 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 Debbie Riddle. It was, was in the calendars that, committee. It was a calendar committee issue. And if you could have just seen the look on her face. Right. And the next thing I knew, she decided not to return. Yeah. But I that night, she looked as if this is it.
0: She crossed the threshold at that yes. point. She could only do it. Actually, yeah. you have to and choose people of a party. The, you the, know. The,
1: the particular bill actually went down. It, did, it got it didn't make it through calendars because if this is the same night. So Patricia, I voted no, she voted no and Debbie Riddle voted no. We didn't understand that. But at any point, so the bill failed, and so we scrambled, right? Like because we didn't want to be able to have the committee be able to make quorum. So a bunch of us, like the Democrats, left campus, and Patricia Harless got in her car and drove. Like she was just like, because I, I I went somewhere else off campus and passed her in the street, and she's just like,
0: I'm leaving. and she had and she had meant it both existentially and literally. I think, right yeah. that, that was the end of it. I guess to come back to this idea of women's issues versus men's issues, representative Gonzalez today brought up an issue of breastfeeding in a committee that was largely men, I was really struck, as I have been when this has come up before, by the re- legislation that I think is it representative Howard's bill about um forgiving the sales tax on
2: tampons on tampons feminine products
0: right. And you know the, the this is the kind of legislation that you look at it on. you go it makes it you understand substantively what the issue is, but we never hear the inverse of this that when it comes to men stuff. and I'm remembering representative Farrar's bill. From several sessions ago, um, the the uh, Men's Right to Know Act, or wherever, however she right. termed it. I mean, we don't really have this conversation on the other side of the line, Representative Rose, do we? It always seems that these kinds of issues, when they come up, it's kind of like, well, how come we're not talking about this for everybody, right?
3: I would totally agree. Um, a lot of times when we're dealing with uh, women's issues, but... I-
0: I just kind of wonder, why, why does it come to the point where we have well, to talk about this? Well, I guess you're this? really
3: asking a question that I really ask myself a lot of times, to be honest. I don't know if I really have the an answer to that either, because a lot yeah. of times we do wonder why is it that we always focus on issues that deal with women, and then when it comes to men's... It, well, we really... You
0: really don't talk don't about talk men's about issues. Don't talk about men's issues.
3: Because men's issues are normalized
2: to be issues, right? Well, like, yeah. And I think that is that is the reality. Like um, Taxes, whatever... Sporting goods tax, that's not men's issues, that is sporting goods tax, right? right. Like, I mean, that's, that's, that's a
3: normalization issue.
0: Representative, do you agree with that, Representative Davis?
1: Yeah, I think she's
3: right. Yeah. Even when it comes to men's health issues, no one ever focuses, I mean, it's health, it's health. It's never yeah.
0: presented in terms of one, Correct. one gender. Do you th- all think that women are held in the legislature or outside of legislature, but elsewhere in politics, to a different standard of behavior from men? I've been really interested to see all the talk about Senator Klobuchar's campaign for president and the fact that she was hard on her staff. And my reaction, honestly, was, do we ever hear about male people, male candidates for office running who are hard on their staff? It seemed like I I wondered if maybe there was a double standard there.
2: Hell, yes. And I'm going to be a little bit of I'm going to say something real controversial. Um,
0: I've been waiting. It's been like 30 minutes.
2: Um. That is Representative
1: Mary Gonzalez.
2: <laughs> I'm about to say Be something sure really controversial. sure other people know who we're talking about. Okay, go ahead. It,
0: you better live up to your promise here.
2: I mean... We can look at the last, uh, last uh, statewide election race, like Beth Orourke. You know, I love him. He's from El Paso. He's great. But you know, he air drums and he ate water burger, and everyone's like, "That's the coolest thing you could ever do." I'm like, I can eat water burger on Facebook Live. I'm not necessarily sure that people would think I was still should be president of the United States, right? Like, I love him. I'm not hating on him. But is there a different level or expectation um, for women? And and you know, I I used to get so angry and frustrated that we were not lifting up Lupe Valdez to the same to the same um limelight right like she was great and I just um I do think there is different types a different expectation of behavior and a different idea about leadership and it's because we can look at that leader and say like well that's my that guy can be my friend he should be president. I don't know if necessarily that is the same type of space I am given as a female elector well, well, and you, for,
1: yeah. for gender, I mean, like I always think it's interesting during campaigns how men will get, you know, kind of so bothered by when I react to what people say to say about me, or whether the governor attacks me or a colleague attacks me or whomever. And they're they're just like, she's just Hostile, right? right. But it, but if I were a man, I wouldn't be hostile. I would. It would be considered probably aggressive, but in a good way. Women, you're standing up if for you're yourself. Called aggressive you're, as yeah. a woman, that's a, that's not a compliment. You call a man aggressive, that almost right. is a compliment.
0: Representative Rose, I'm thinking also about the question of likability. We often hear this when uh, again we have a lot of women running for president this cycle, maybe the most ever, and you hear about well, is Elizabeth Warren, likable? Does she pass the likability test? Remember what President Obama said not necessarily intending it to be a knock uh, about Secretary Clinton during that presidential race. Well, you're likable enough, Hillary. Remember that? Do people ever turn that around and talk about the likability of men who run? This feels to me like another instance of there being a a double standard.
3: Well, it is totally a double standard, but a lot of times— well, I guess if you just look at the... Uh, let's talk about the current campaign cycle. Because I know in some of the circles that I've been in, a lot of people, even with uh, Kamala Harris, who's running, uh, when she did her town hall, one of the person ones said that she came across as aggressive. But then when you had um, Cory Booker, I don't know how I went blank on him. And when he... Uh, made a comment, and I can't even recall the incident. I wish I could think of it right now. But they were trying to say that he was, you know, he was, you know, more presidential, you know. Mm -hmm. And they really made this, really the same response to me. I wish I knew the actual incident to even give it to you, but we, to tell you about the incident. But it is, it's a double standard. And I even think even... Even in my role now, um, there is an incident, but I really probably shouldn't even talk about it. Oh, but no. Go on. No, please. I know. Do I tell.
0: I've really said
2: something controversial. No
0: one listens to podcasts. No. You're fine.
2: Okay, well, I agree. <laughs> Don't say that. I will say this. That's the only reason why I agreed
0: to do this. Because <laughs> you knew that no one would <laughs> no hear one it. Listen. <laughs> right. just, well, just the governor.
2: I will say this. So, I'm writing my dissertation on, on some of the things that are happening in the legislature, which hopefully nobody ever reads. But um, one of the things I talk about was my moment in which I cried on the floor after I had discussed being a survivor of sexual abuse. And then two weeks later, and I and I love him. I'm not hating on him. juice uh, or two like a week later or two days later, Drew Springer cried on the floor, and everyone was like, "Oh, Drew, we're here for you. Like, we're gonna hug you. We're gonna get your bill through." But when I cried on the floor, there was even like no hugs. Uh, no, there were hugs from the women, but there was even some hostility about it, right? Like, and I feel that there is a double standard about how you can express emotion, how you can communicate with your staff. See, I um, have hostility towards crying. Well, fair, but that's that's a Sarah you thing. You personally <laughs> yeah. have. It as- is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, there's no crying in legislature. There's no yeah. crying. But, 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 but I will say, and I, I'm not hating Andrew Springer. He had a very real reason to cry, but um, the, double the double standard.
0: Remember uh, Senator Van statement during the Davis filibuster in the Senate at what point must a woman, a female senator raise her hand or her voice to be recognized over her male colleagues? Absolutely. That, that continues to resonate in the minds of a lot of people in this building. And it, it, Makes me want to ask straight away: Do you believe that the legislature is sexist, Representative Davis? Absolutely. Do you do you think so? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I say, hear I, I hear yes and yes says, from Representatives I'm, Gonzalez I'm and Rose. I'm not
3: say every, um, yeah, I mean, that's... male legislator, but there are some.
0: I was really more asking institutionally. As student,
1: I think it's, it's it's an old boys'
0: oh yeah, oh absolutely, very right.
1: much. Yeah. Um, but I also think that women have taken great strides. And I like to look at situations where, and see how, how can I use this? How can this help me? So basically, I think a lot of times women are just simply underestimated. And so how do I base, how do I use sort of this assumption that I'm not smart or that I'm not clever or that I don't know and, and then, you know, flip it to my advantage. So, so, so I don't so spend be, be a lot of lean time. lean into
0: being underestimated and use that as a, t- well, as I just, a strategy.
1: Yes, I don't right. spend my time, and I, know, I, don't, I don't want this to sound horrible, but I don't spend time, like, feeling sorry for myself because I'm a woman and, you know, this is all uh, run by men. I just try and figure out how do I work around yeah, oh, I, 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 absolutely. I, I, think I think recognizing we do that, that. The
2: institution has elements of sexism. Doesn't it mean that I'm over here sad about it. Like I feel. No, no, no. And I yeah, didn't know. Yeah, you. I know. I know you didn't, but, but I do feel it. It is for me recognizing it empowers me to then kind of just like you said navigate it in our own ways. I think we all navigate it differently, um, and so, and and, and I feel very really excited. I I do think I'm sorry, sexism exists, but. Oh, it's okay. It, uh, it exists, but I also think we have made great strides, and I think that we've made great strides in intersectional spaces. I'm so proud that we have five LGBT women, right? All the LGBT people on the floor right now are all women as well. Like, I think there's some really cool dynamics happening.
3: But then if you really look at the legislature, right now, we probably, including now, I know the stats that I had, uh, during the interim that I would give when I would talk to people, we've only had at that time 155 women. It's how 100, many? I think it's 169 hun, women, hun, yeah, yeah, both right. House and Senate.
0: In in history, which is fewer than the seats in one legislature. So yeah. it's going obviously, back to 1846.
3: <laughs> and then how many men? And I know oh, well, it was four thousand so mil, right. women. exactly. <laughs> so of course, I mean it's a male dominated. You know, I mean mm-hmm. it is what it is. A, what it is. Yeah. But I think women now.
1: But what isn't? <laughs> I mean, I'm right. a lawyer. Yeah, sure. That's a male-dominated group. In well, that. I mean, my professional education life is, in that is space. not
2: as male-dominated, right? And and so one of my things I do feel as education is very female-dominated, and there only being two women on the education committee, I do try to make sure that my voice is visible. Do, do
0: you think though that all of you that that's generational to some degree? That as with everything else, the overturning of the mulch will take care of it. You know, you have this passing of the baton from the last generation to the next. The state is now more than 50% female. The electorate is, I I think, estimated in the last election to be 53% female. It may not be today reflective of the world that you all represent or serve, but that over time it almost certainly will become that, right?
1: I mean, I I think that's... We, we can hope that you know, I, I think and, and about, we know, can each do our parts to try um, to Nevada- empower women and empower each other. I mean, we could spend a whole podcast on how women undermine each other. Well, and I wonder frankly. about that because, you know, Representative, <laughs> Representative Rose,
0: I'm, I'm reminded of the Madeline Albright quote during the last election. This was related to Secretary Clinton's presidential campaign where she said there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. And some people bristled at that as if somehow the fact that you're a woman means you must vote for a woman or you most vote for this woman, or that somehow there's this special obligation that, again, is not expected of men, right? So, I mean, I'm sympathetic to the yeah, idea of... it's und-
1: not expected it, of men, yeah. but I don't think women, you know, that you have to... you. Ha- it is your job. But when you are in, in politics like we are and you see how few there are, you do start to just feel an obligation. I mean, my entire staff, except for one person, is female. And we had... I, the CBS Evening News came down a couple weeks ago to do an interview, and they had interviewed Jonathan Stickland before me. And then they came into my office, and the producer made a comment about how different the office environment was. And I and I am like, "What do you mean?" And and and, he, and the producer was a woman, and she's like, "Well, you know, his office is full of all is all men, and we walk into your office, and it's all women."
2: Well, and but, I will, but, just, but you oh, do
1: that because you want to you you want young women to have opportunities. And sometimes it takes another woman to make sure that they get that. Right. And I will say, so in response to that statement, it's
2: it's not about always just voting for a woman because she's a woman. I don't want to tokenize yeah. representation. But I will say it's different to undermine women, right? And I, and I think that's the difference. And so I'm not saying, well, you're a woman, so I'm going to do everything you say. But maybe you're a woman and I'm not going to... Um, undermine other women because I feel threatened by women being in the space. I want to uplift you see this is what this is this is the issue guys don't ever feel at least guys in legislature they're like our space for all my friends like women also feel like that but I think that sometimes people try to pit us against each other saying like oh there's only one spot there's not there's seven spots and we can all be there and we're all going to be there with each other right and and I think that's the thing that we're trying to do. I, I think if you I think for me one of the things I wanna change this session is I, I am kind of sad that there are zero Latina chairs in the whole legislature. I would like to create a pathway for Latina so one day, again, have a chairmanship. like Because we are 21% of the state. I don't think we should just get it because um, so we can have token representation, but I do want to make sure we're part of the conversation one day to be chairs. And I think what
3: she meant when she made that statement is because the opportunity opportunities for us in the past have been so few. And that when, once we're able to break the glass ceiling or once we'll be able to position ourselves to be in leadership and power that we should always encourage and try to bring others with us as we climb.
0: Right. So not only not undermine, but create opportunities right. as representative Davis is saying, so that the next generation comes up. I mean, I had a My mother is 76. I had a conversation with her. She lives on the East Coast, and she was talking about the presidential race. One night we were on the phone just sort of talking about it. And she said, I'm really interested in the fact that there were all these women running because for the majority of my lifetime, women have not run for president. she said, but I don't actually think that the country is ready for a woman president, despite the fact that all these women are running. And that was from her perspective, from her generational perspective. And I, I thought that was kind of interesting and a little depressing. But also it was kind of a moment of real candor from her that she just said, I to think from where I sit, looking out at the country, I don't actually see that. I do think that the generational change may ultimately create a situation in which no one thinks it's strange that women are running or that women might be able to win, right? The younger generation looks at this and they go, why are we even talking about this issue, right? And that may happen up the street as well, whereas the – because you have younger people entering the legislature and they come at the set of issues that you all deal with from a very different perspective than the older legislators do, right, on, on both sides. Well, you were young Young's once. Not. You're, you're not Tallarico young, but you were young once. Ouch.
1: I really, I'm 42, so you all need to calm down. <laughs> I'm if you're real. young. Tallerico.
2: I don't even know how to respond to that. Mm. Not responding.
0: No, it's probably better not
2: responding.
0: <laughs> so, um, I, I guess the, the question I want to ask you all, as we close this out, is: When we get to the end of this session and we head into another election cycle, we'll go into the next legislative session, which will be here before we know it, is this conversation that we had today likely to be a different conversation? In other words, will the will the next legislature be better positioned to deal with the question of gender intersecting with politics and policy? Is this change that can happen in a meaningful way in, say, a two year period, or is this more of just a longer term, of a longer term thing?
1: I I think it's too early to say. To be honest with you, I mean, I know session is more than halfway over, but we just had our first vote on third reading today. I mean, we've not done very much. Now that's not unusual
0: because of the. It's too soon to tell whether this session moves the needle significantly or whether we're back at the beginning of the next session saying basically it's the same old, same yeah. old. Yeah,
1: either. I don't know. We we say elections have consequences. I am not, as I sit here today, I am not convinced that my party truly comprehends those election result and
0: the speaker's comments a couple weeks ago notwithstanding
1: notwithstanding and Uh. i'm not speaking just about speaker bonnet i'm just talking about the republican party as a whole in texas and i when we're finished with this session you can ask me that question but i think at this point i'm i'm cautiously optimistic but uh I, mean, I so think many, it's
2: too soon. There's so many variables, right? There's let's get through session. Let's get through maybe a special session, and they, they might don't be, say that. I'm just saying
0: only the press likes special sessions.
2: Uh, yes, I agree with that. Um, but le- let's get through primaries. Let's get. I mean, there's so many variables to say what is the legislature going to look like two years from now? Because I, if you would have told me today that the legislature would look the way it does right now, I would have never believed you um, two years ago. So
0: from your perspective, at least it's progress. All right. Well,
2: I. What? I, I will say there has been progress in some areas, and there has, needs to be a lot of progress in a lot more areas.
3: I think there will be a change next session. I do.
0: But what kind of change? We just don't know.
3: Well, you t- as far as, well, I think, I mean, I think that there will be more women. I think there will be more women coming back next legislative session, and let's have that conversation at that time. But I really do believe that there will be more women. Okay. As she's out recruiting, oh, people are on the ground right now, probably block walking as we speak.
0: God, it's so early, but maybe it's not that early. <laughs> well, hey,
3: I'm, I'm in Dallas, we're hey, we're ready.
0: Okay, thank you all. You've been listening to Point of Order, a proud member of the Texas Tribune's family of podcasts. Thanks to our guests, State Representatives Sarah Davis, Mary Gonzalez, and Tony Rose. And thanks to the sponsors of this episode, the Texas Hospital Association, Walmart, and the University of Texas Press. Be sure to check out the Tribune's deep coverage of the 86th legislative session at texastribune.org. And if you like what you see there or hear here, tell your friends about us. Until next time, I'm Evan Smith.